Welcome to We Are Human. I'm your host, Elijah. In this special episode, we kick off a new series that will air once a month. This series is dedicated to highlighting teachers with the hopes of encouraging them during such a difficult season. Today, I present two teachers who have not only made an impact on myself, but on my brothers and without a doubt, on a multitude of students involved in performing arts. Here are Lake Nona High School's very own Gail and Justin Chase. Hi, I'm Gail Chase, and I am a theater teacher at Lake Nona High School here in Orlando, Florida, and I have been teaching for 22 and a half long and beautiful years. And I'm Justin Chase, I'm the choral teacher at Lake Nona High School, and I've been teaching the same amount of time, I think 22, I say 23 at this point, it's just easier to say that, so yeah. My parents were both uh, full-time working parents, and so in the summers, when I was little, they needed to send me to a, a summer camp or someplace so I could be supervised. They signed me up for summer camp. I had absolutely zero experience in the area that it was. It was Class Act Performing Arts Studios in Tampa, Florida. Singing, dancing, acting. I had been rejected by my former dance teacher for being a terrible ballet student, so none of these areas were my field, but it had AC. So they signed me up, and that's when I found my people. I found theater people, and I realized these crazy, loud, gregarious, empathetic feelers who just want to express themselves, those are my people. And so that really, really changed my life forever. I grew up in the small town of Wisconsin, and when you grow up in the small town, I there was literally one high school in, in the small town that I lived in. and there tell, were two Tell them about the high school. This it is great. One high school, but it was West Bend East High School and West Bend West. They were in the same building, but they had two cafeterias, they had two libraries, they had a big theater with they, orchestra They pit. played each other for homecoming. For homecoming, we played each other. They had two football other. teams. The whole reason for it is so that they could have two football teams, two swim teams, I got like double the they, I saw his, thing. his yearbook from when he was there, and you're flipping through the yearbook, West Bend East, right? You were West Bend East. Yeah, go Suns. And then halfway through the book, all of a sudden the pages are upside down because you have to flip the book upside down and now backwards, it's now the West Bend West The Spartans yearbook. are horrible, I yeah. have never seen anything, I've never heard any other place that does it now like it's, this. Now it's unified. Everyone knew each other in that town. It was like 26,000 people. So it was a real culture change when I moved from like the small town of Wisconsin where I'd lived until I was 16. I moved to Tampa, which is a lot bigger. We moved the, the last day of school my sophomore year we left Wisconsin and we moved down. We were building a house. It was me and my parents and my two younger brothers in a two bedroom apartment until the house was built. So and your it was, cat. And the cat and the fish that didn't survive the journey but died as soon as it changed into Florida water. Um, R.I.P. flipper fins. Uh, splashes, yeah. So um, <laughs> I was in this musical theater class. Our first assignment was do five minutes of something. Our teacher said, perform something. Perform, perform something. something. I'm going to leave you alone for a week. I said, okay, great. So, and I went up there and I announced I was going to sing Stars from Les Mis. And you were skeptical of my vocal skills. And, well, not when I heard you sing. I immediately crossed my arms when he said he was going to sing Stars. I was just like, sure you are. I know everyone in this school. You're not anybody. Who are you? You think you can sing Les Mis? Let's see. And, and then, then he started to sing. I sang. And then you were... You were impressed. I was impressed. By the end of the song, my jaw hit the floor and I jumped up and gave a standing ovation in the middle of musical theater class because, you know, theater kids are really subtle. 
I ran after school that day to see my, my two best friends, and I said, there's this guy in my class, I don't know his name, singing man. I, I have to have him, he, I, need to, I need him. And so they said, well, we're your wingmen, we, what do you need? And I said, I don't know, what should we do? And they said, we're gonna go to the movies this Friday. You're gonna introduce him to us and we're gonna invite him to the movies. And I said, good plan. I walked up to him the next day, I just marched up and I said, hi, I'm Gail. I'm vice president of the Thespians Club and I think you have an amazing voice. My friends and I sit in the 280 hallway before school. See you there. And that was it. And then the next day he showed up in our hallway and I said, that's him, that's him. And my two best friends jumped up and they kind of just attacked him with chat and said, we're going to the movies on Friday. Give us your phone number. You're coming with us. And the rest. As the kids say, what a flex. I met you guys at the movie theater. <laughs> and they were really late to the movie theater. So I thought they had pranked me. It was about to be like the saddest story ever, but it turned out to be okay. He didn't tell me that part until about six months later. And I will say, I relentlessly pursued him for two months and failed epically. And it was when I stopped trying to flirt that we actually were able to become really awesome friends. And it was a year later that we started dating. Right. So we were able to become friends first, which was awesome. And it was during that friend period, that's when we both got accepted to Florida State. So we didn't, we both knew we were going to Florida State before we were even a couple. So then when we were getting ready to go to college, I said, you know, my parents were nervous that they yeah, were sending their- Yeah, tried to break us up. <laughs> She did. She said, Justin's a very nice boy, but there's a lot of nice boys out there. And I said, no, I'm not going to break up with a boy who's respectful to me just to find out that everyone else is crappy and I had a great thing. So if it's meant to be, it will be. But yeah. we were able to, um, to always say that we chose the school individually because it was what was best for each of us. And then, then as they say, the rest really is history. Right. Yeah. yeah. When we went to Florida State, we auditioned for the musical theater program, thinking like, maybe we're gonna be like Broadway stars, get ready. Even though I couldn't dance at all, and I'm not a tenor. Me neither, right. I'm not a tenor either. Right, and um, <laughs> you have a, no acting class, so we're like, yep, we're gonna go ahead and do this. And so we auditioned for Florida State, which is like one of the most difficult musical theater programs to get in in the country. And we were both rejected. Rejected, yes. But we went to Florida State anyway. And I got into the College of Music there as unclassified for the first year, which means I took just general music classes while I tried to figure out what I was and what I wanted to do. And so I had some friends who, uh, they said, we're gonna take this intro to music ed class. And so I took the intro to music ed class. And Judy Bowers, who was at Florida State, was just like a goddess of music ed, and she was a no-nonsense person. She was your choir, choir director at Florida State too, so you know her, she's a force of nature. Yes. Um, and Andre Thomas who were there. I was really lucky to be at Florida State at a time where there were all these huge names, but I didn't know that. I just wanted to, my end of my senior year, go to college far away from my family in Tampa. <laughs> and between Tampa and Tallahassee is four hours. And that meant that if I needed my parents, they could be there in a day, but they're not gonna stop by for dinner. So that's kind of why we chose to do, uh, why I chose to go to Tallahassee, but just having that experience there and finding, you know, that I really enjoyed being the choirs there and I enjoyed music ed and I, was, I felt like I was good at it. Teaching always seemed really hard and I didn't know if I wanted to do it. And now that I'm a teacher, I know that teaching is really hard. Um, so it's the, we discover that what it is, but there are also a lot of really great things about it too that, that yeah. make it worthwhile, especially when we're not in a pandemic. Right, and I will just say, just to kind of piggyback on what you just said, Dr. Bowers, the professor that he was so influenced by, um, 
our senior year of college, he begged me to take a choir class. And I'm not a chorus person by nature. I love singing, but it was always loud musical theater belting. And he said, please, please just take one semester with Dr. Bowers and then I'll leave you alone. So I signed up for Women's Glee my, the fall of my senior year. And, um, and then I immediately said, I have to take it again in the spring. Dr. Bowers, even though I, at that point, was an English education major and not in the College of Music, she was one of the most influential educators that I ever had the pleasure of working with as well. And my hope is that she will watch this and she will see that the chases say, thank you, Dr. Thanks, Judy. Judy Bowers. Thanks. We love you. <laughs> Teaching is difficult, and there are a couple of things that make it difficult. One thing is that there's a lot of things teachers have to do that doesn't involve teaching, that paperwork and the sort of the minutia and the faculty meetings and other stuff. Kids are really involved, especially nowadays, kind of in their phones and doing their thing. They're very, it's harder sometimes to pull them out of that a little bit and get them thinking about community, but I think that's why the arts are so important, why singing in a choir is so important, why performing in a musical or a play is so important, or playing in a band or an orchestra, um, because it really gives them that sense of community that you you don't get other, other places. And if you do the arts correctly, that everyone gets to share that. But the thing that really pulls you through when teaching gets difficult, when you're bogged down in paperwork, it really is the students and being able to work with them and feel like you're doing something together. Sometimes it feels like it's a teacher-student relationship where it's like you're pushing the kids to do the work and they're being dragged along, but it feels so great when it feels like we're all working on this thing together, when it feels like we all have the same mindset we're gonna do this, and then it doesn't feel like work at all. It just feels like we're colleagues and we're kind of directing students yeah. the right way to go and saying, do this, do this. But when we all have the same mindset, I think it's great. It, when students finally buy in, one of the, the things that really makes us happy is, you know, we, we kind of raise these kids or help raise these kids. And by the time they're seniors, they finally trust us. They're like, oh, you guys know what you're doing. All right. And, and then, then a they new leave. group of freshmen come in and they're like, you guys don't know what you're doing. And then by senior year, they're like, oh, you know what you're doing. And then they leave. So every year it's trying to win those kids over and like, you just have to trust us and, and know that we, we're we trying to do things for the best. And this can be super easy if we're all working together. So um, yeah, I mean, what are some challenges you've had? Cause it's different for you. Well, I think that um, over the years, people have become more and more stressed out. The world is becoming a scarier place but at the same time, people are talking about mental health more. Those two things are kind of colliding, and when they collide, what we end up with is a lot of students who need somebody to see them, really see them where they're at with their anxiety, with their depression, with their gender identity, or their sexuality, or socioeconomic challenges. All of those things that maybe in the past kids kind of hid a little bit more they're bringing to the surface more now and i love that but with that comes a huge burden which is how do i meet you where you're at and show you that i'm here to support you it's a blessing and a burden at the same time i wouldn't trade it for anything but i it's a lot when you know as the arts people the kids they tend to trust us and so they might tell us something that they wouldn't tell another teacher and then we have to navigate that and find a way to respect their wishes to keep some information private but also follow the law because you know if they're saying something about self-harm or someone else hurting them we have to mandatory report but if it's not that then how do we navigate 
continuing to build the trust with them and giving them a safe space, but also helping them learn how to cope. And I don't have a degree in counseling or psychology, but over the years I have learned so many tools just by trying to be a good listener, just by trying to be a good person. Right now I have a group of, of young women that are my students and they've written a play and it is so beautiful this play and we are working toward producing it at the school. Uh, it's a little challenging right now given our situation but this play uh, deals with the topic of sexual assault and it is written from a place of truth and from that they've been able to pull their creativity and bring something positive out of a horrible situation. I can't think of anything more beautiful than taking a terrible situation and creating something positive out of it. I'm just, you know, I'm just so proud that they are brave enough to do this, that I've created a space where they feel safe to do it, that they are able to find their voice and really share it, you know? And we've talked about kids walk into our room, and I've said this, I think, to students before too, that we need to make sure that we have great rehearsals every single day because there's some kid that you don't even know that needs this rehearsal. Like there's some kid that you have no idea what they're feeling right now or, or and they need this rehearsal. They need this time. Right. So you need to take some, you know, we need to make sure this rehearsal is great for whoever that person is. As much as we are giving, we are receiving so much, so much love. I mean, look at your family. I feel like we're a part of your family because the DaCosta boys have continued to become a part of our program. And in, you know, you came to me senior year, kind of kicking and screaming. And then I remember very clearly you telling me that you'd made a terrible mistake waiting until your senior year to get involved with the, uh, the musical theater program at our school. Once you're a part of the machine that is Team Chase, right. once you're a part of the family, we are, you're never not a part of the family. I think that, um, that teaching is like going into um, theology. If you want to be a pastor or a priest or a rabbi or, or something like that, you don't go into that, I would assume, for the money. You don't go into it because that'll provide you health insurance. You go into it because you feel in your heart that it, you are being called to that profession. I really believe that teaching is like that. So if you are being called to teaching, don't let the immediate moment scare you off because it's going to pass. That being said, it is super important that you don't let your job be your life. You have to have a separation. When we were young teachers, I will never forget one time, one of my college roommates was getting married and she was having a Key West wedding. We were so excited. Destination wedding. Who doesn't love Key West? It was, so we we left after school on Friday. We didn't from take Friday Tampa. off. This was when we were just fresh out of college teaching. We drove down to Key West, which was about eight hours. We got there just in time for a sunset celebration and then the next day was the wedding and then Sunday morning she wanted us to have a big brunch with her we said no we have to drive back so that we could be at work on Monday if I could go back in time and go to Amy's wedding again I would take off Friday and I would take off Monday maybe Thursday and Tuesday too <laughs> because the work is still gonna be there Students will be okay if you're not there every single day. It's okay to have a life. It's okay to have joy. It's okay to walk away. It's okay. Don't let this moment scare you off, but also allow yourself to have a life.
And I totally agree with that. You know, I've done sessions on that yeah. all over the place about work-life balance. But also, the first year is really tough. I think it's probably tough in any job. But um, also, making sure that, um, again, taking time for yourself and knowing that there are these incredible moments that really do feed your soul. And you've got to find out what those moments are going to be. Right. Some of those moments are, we took the choir to... Washington DC in February, like one of the last things before COVID when we still did, I imagine like a trip on a bus with 48 singers or whatever, and we sang in the National Cathedral. It was so moving and fulfilling for me and the kids are crying when it's over, it's beautiful. But those moments happen, it's not just with performance moments, we have these amazing moments in, in, in the class. rehearsal room. Yeah. Like on a Thursday at 10 a.m. we have these amazing moments. Yep. You don't know when those moments are gonna happen. So, so I, well, I would say that the lows are pretty low at the, especially at the beginning the highs are really just incredible and you feel like you're really making a huge difference so just perseverance and hanging in there is yeah. the best advice I can offer to a young teacher and find a mentor who um who can give you some teaching advice but also who can take you out of that classroom and say okay it's a uh, it's Friday at four o'clock let's let's go to happy hour right let's balance this stuff out because right. we all need it yeah, first-year teachers, second-year teachers, sometimes all the way through the first five years. 23-year teachers. <laughs> you need to give yourself some grace because we are so, so hard on ourselves. When you're a person that's a people pleaser, I'm the same way. It's so hard to put myself on the list, but I have discovered in my old age, old age, that the more I take care of myself, the better I am at meeting the needs of those people that need me, whether it's my husband or my kids, my parents, my students, if I'm not taking care of me, then they're not getting the best version of me, and then therefore I'm not able to help them. So if, if there is a good thing that has come out of this pandemic for us as a family and as teachers, we have really learned to give ourselves some grace. Yeah. We are not technology experts, and yet we are both finding a way literally every single day to teach with technology in ways that we've never imagined. So. Mm -hmm. Finding grace has been a plus. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Good advice. Cool, thanks. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. And for a more immersive experience, be sure to follow us on Instagram at wearehuman.tv. We'll catch you next time. And remember, we're always learning.